Oh yeah, welcome in. Special Saturday show. It is the Ref Army Watch Party pregame show as we get you ready for two basketball games today. Not just one pregame show, but essentially two pregame shows in one. We just spoil you all here at the Ref. Can't wait to talk some OU men's and women's hoops today as we have a doubleheader in Norman. I love these home doubleheaders. We had one um, well, we had one last week, I guess, right? And it's a whiteout at the LNC today. So if you're heading over to the men's game at 3, well, stick around for the OU women's game at 6 p.m. because if you haven't heard, you have now. The OU women, they're really, really good. And as a little bit of a tease, history could happen. NCAA history could happen tonight at the LNC. We'll talk more about that as the pregame show rolls around. Tyler McComas, Connor Pasby, we got you until 2.30. Uh, Kendall Kautz of Sikkim365, he's going to join us next segment to preview Baylor. Baylor's got a new arena coming up next year. What was the dynamics of that in the city of Waco? Interesting. We'll, we'll get to that. And then uh, a really special treat. Because the OU women's basketball team, I'll say it again for those of you that didn't hear me a minute ago, they're really, really good. OU assistant coach Michael Neal is going to join us in the final segment to talk about this Bedlam matchup coming your way at 6 p.m. on uh, ESPN+. Plus. So let, let's go ahead and get to the men's first, Connor, uh, since they're coming up first at 3 p.m. That's ESPN2. Baylor currently a two-point favorite in that game. And on the scale, on like the must-win scale, 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest. I don't think that this is necessarily a 10 because we're still in the month of January. But today in ESPN Bracketology, you are the last team in the field. I mean, you you are the definition of a bubble team coming into today. You've already lost two Big 12 home games. This is a winnable game for OU. Now, next week, you've got to go to TCU. you got Alabama at home who might win a national championship this year. I think that they're that good. So, Connor, I'm putting this at the must-win scale at, like, an 8 today. Is that too high, too low, or, or, or just right? No, that's up there. I mean, yeah, Baylor coming in, a top 25 team. We saw what happened in Stillwater. That was a must-win oh. game, or oh. felt like a must-win game uh, against Oklahoma State, the second-half meltdown. But, man, you need to protect your home court uh, today against Baylor because you just mentioned the next two games at, uh, at number 14, TCU. And then a top five team coming into Norman, Bama. So you need to protect your home court. Hopefully there's a good crowd on hand. I mean, you got the boys game first, and then hopefully most of those people stay for Bedlam girls after that. So, yes, it, I mean, it's up there for must win. I was wondering how long it was going to take for us to mention Bedlam. <laughs> I still have scars from that game on uh, it Wednesday hurts. night, in case you're wondering. That one, that one hurt quite a bit, i got to say. Up six at halftime, and uh, OSU scores 48 in the second half. But here's here's the great thing about the Big 12, man. You know, it's it's a brutal league. It's the best conference in the country. But you have opportunities like this. I mean, and here's a great opportunity for OU to get a marquee win. Like, Baylor won a national championship two years ago. I know the committee doesn't necessarily look at that. But this is a top 25 team and a Baylor team that's really starting to play well. I think they've won three straight coming into this game. When they started, they started 0-3 in Big 12 yeah. play, and they've won their next three. Yeah, it kind of feels like they've, they're starting to figure it out a little bit. But in my opinion, Baylor's going to feature the best freshman in all of the Big 12 today, Keontae George. I mean, he's, he's a really good player. Uh, their leading score, 17.7 points per game. He is um, – we'll, we'll see if he's a one-and-done guy. I haven't checked a whole lot of uh, NBA mock drafts to see where he's at, but – 
if he's not a one-and-done guy, this is going to be a name that you're going to get to know, uh, be very familiar with here in the next uh, in the next few years. So, so Baylor, like personnel-wise, what do they have? Okay, well, they've got some new names like Keontae George, who I just mentioned, in my opinion, the best freshman in the Big 12. They've got some transfer names, Jalen Bridges from West Virginia, who was the Mountaineers' leading re- or actually Baylor's leading rebounder right now. And then you have the familiar names, uh, Adam Flagler, 5.3 assists per game for Baylor. Uh, Flo Thamba, LJ Cryer, that's three in their starting lineup. So you're probably a little familiar with those names. But this, this is a team that's really good. I, I don't know if they've totally lived up to preseason expectations up to this point. We'll ask that to Kendall Cout coming up next segment. But they're a, they're a very athletic and a very capable team. I, I don't look at Baylor this year, Connor, as a team that can win a title like they did a couple of years ago. But is this a team that can get hot in the tournament, make a deep run? Like, absolutely they can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you still got Flagler, who's, I mean, averaging five assists a game. He's still their leader, a guy who's played a lot of basketball for Baylor. But, yes, they do have some new faces that have stepped in and made a huge impact. So they're still a really solid team. They still have size. We talked about, we always talk about Baylor having size underneath, athletic, rim protectors and they still have they still have that so it's still it's still a good ball club uh texts are starting to roll in again 405-651-3439 let's get it going on the air comfort solutions text line have some fun today talking about the ou men and the ou women uh gunny says it's a must win for me we can't continue to give away home games and road big 12 games are tough it's true man i'm like look like i'm putting it high on the must win scale if OU loses today, it's not like they're totally out of the tournament and they have no chance. But this is just a really good opportunity. Like, we all look at this game as, all right, you, you're looking for your marquee win of the year, and here's your chance on your home floor against a Baylor team that's good, but if you're hitting shots today, you got a chance to win this game. And actually, like, from a matchup perspective, Connor, I I, I, I don't love it, but I, I, I don't hate it because – Baylor is not a lockdown defensive team like you saw earlier this week with Oklahoma State. Like you saw in the second half, OSU was making it really tough because they hang their hat on the defensive end of the floor. That's not the case with Baylor, man. Um, statistically, they're not a great defensive team. I think they're giving up 69.8 points per game so far this year. Um, for a comp, like OU's given up 63.9 this year. So this is one of those to me that – it's not going to be just tight defense for 40 minutes. And if you can get Grant Sherfield loose, if you can get Uzan loose and hit shots from the outside, like, I think you're going to get open looks today. And if you knock down those open looks, basketball one-on-one, like, OU's going to have a really good chance to win this thing today. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be able to put some points up against Baylor. You just can't have those four-minute, five-minute droughts that we've seen a handful of times with OU. And then just going back to Oklahoma State, you can't have uh, Uzan and Sherfield only combining for two points in the yeah. second half. So you got to have a strong first half, and you just got to continue that on in the second half. Yeah, no, you do. And, and I mean, you, you said it right right there. I mean, Sherfield had, what, 15, I think, 15, 17 in the first half um, against OSU, and then he didn't score yeah, at all in the, in, in the second half. So, yeah, and, and, and that's the thing with this team is, you know, we've seen them roll up to the defending champs house, Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and have Kansas on the ropes up 10 with like four minutes left. Like, we've seen this team play really good teams and have lead lates. You just got to figure out a way to close games. Like, I, I know I'm not telling everyone 
something that they don't already know. But we've, we've seen it a handful of times. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and, and they didn't play well in the second half either. So that's a big, it's a big challenge, a big test today. I want to see Sherfield after being held scoreless in the second half. I want to see him come out. And sure, in the first 20 minutes, I want to see him get open looks and knock down shots. But, Connor, like I'm really going to be watching Sherfield in the final 20 minutes today to see if he can redeem himself a little bit from that Bedlam loss. Yeah, redeem himself and just, just keep shooting. I mean, he missed a, a few shots in that second half. I felt like he just uh, stopped shooting the ball, gave it to some other guys. But, I mean, he's a shooter. I mean, just keep shooting the basketball even if you're missing. But. Yeah, just can't have you can't have uh, Sherfield just going scoreless in the second yeah. half. He's your leader. He's your leading scorer. You got to get him the ball. Uh, on the women's side, this one got a chance to be a lot of fun today. Uh, it's Bedlam, 6 p.m. ESPN Plus at the Lloyd Noble Center. OU alone at the top of the standings in the Big 12 Conference. How about that? Five and one in the league so far. 15 and two on the year. Oklahoma State. 13 and 5 on the season. They are 3 and 3 in conference. OSU had a pretty good win um, about 10 days ago. They went out to Waco and won. Now, this isn't the same old Baylor. Like Baylor's out of the top 25 for the first time since 2005, which is a crazy stat. But, you know, still winning at Waco is impressive for OSU. This is an OU team though that is exciting to watch. You know, some people that don't love college basketball these days. One, they're wrong because college basketball is awesome. But OU is kind of the team that those casual basketball fans are looking for. Averaging 86.8 points per game this year, Connor. Um, this team this team will run. This team will shoot. This team likes to get up and down the floor and score. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. And we kind of have, I guess you would say, contrasting styles in this Bedlam game tonight because Oklahoma State, they've done a good job this year of holding opponents on the offensive end. Um, I think OSU allows 66 points per game. OU averages 86 points per game, so something's got to give tonight. And when OSU uh, – here's an interesting stat too. When OSU scores 74 points this year, they're 9-0 on the season. Well, OU allows 74 points per game yeah. defensively. So it's it just kind of a – like I think OU's the better team. OU's at home. I would think that they probably win the game tonight. But this is pretty different styles that are going head-to-head tonight at the LNC, Connor. Yeah, the, girl, the girls are about the complete opposite of the guys. I mean, they put up a lot of points. And if you watch the OU girls, I mean, they start off slow, and then, man, they pick it up in the second yeah. half. They just turn it on. Averaging over 80 points a game. It's a much better Oklahoma State team, but, I mean, I like the matchup that OU has going against Oklahoma State and Norman. They're, they're, they're a fun group. Yeah, no, they, they really are. Um, they're a really fun group. Sean's here. Oh, yeah, I got Sean's tickets to the game. I forgot about that. <laughs> I need to give him those. Um, no, I, history could be made tonight at the LNC. NCAA history. Taylor Robertson is four three-pointers away from tying the NCAA record for three-pointers made at 497. Taylor Robertson is going to finish her career with over 500 three-pointers made. That's insane. She's automatic. That's Jeez. insane, man. Are you kidding me? Just a, like, a three-point specialist. I mean, she, she's done that her whole career. Yeah, no, she has from day one. <laughs> she's been that type of player. And she's going to go down, and I think she's got to be considered as one of the best three-point shooters in NCAA women's basketball history. If you make over 500 threes in your career, duh, yes. When we talk about best three-point shooters in NCAA women's history, Taylor Robertson's name is going to come up very soon in that conversation. So she needs four tonight. 
And again, this isn't, you know how it works, Connor. It's like when, um, you know, Barry Bonds illegally because he used PEDs is chasing the home run record and no one wants to be the pitcher that gives up the big home run. Like, OSU does not want to give up the NCAA go, record yeah, tonight. Go, go see a lot, you know? of, <laughs> lot, lot of double teams. A lot of double teams on Robertson. So, not not going to let her get a shot up. Taylor might get the record tonight, but she's going to have to work for it, man. Like She's really going to have to work for it and uh, work to get open and, and hit some shots from the outside. But OU, the women, they were dominant earlier this week with a 93-66 win over TCU. Maddie Williams is really good. She had 19 points. And um, they're just they're just all around. They've got four seniors in the starting lineup, Connor. Four seniors in the starting lineup, and one junior. And you don't see that nowadays in college basketball. You do more on the women's side because there's not, you know, the one and dones like there is on the men's side. But imagine a men's college basketball team in a major conference like the Big Twelve. That's got four seniors and a junior in their starting lineup. Like, it, no wonder they're having the year that they have with all the yeah. experience. <laughs> they, yeah, they got experience. They got girls who've played a lot, and they got they got great production off the bench too. The Scott girl, a really great side yeah. underneath. That's what OU girls have been uh, missing in the past to be able to match up down low, and they can do that. Yeah, Liz Scott's had a really good year, and th- I think the talent level overall since Jenny uh, Baranchek has gotten enormous. It, it, it's just the talent level has taken a significant jump. Like when you have Skylar Van coming off the bench, like you, you've really you've got something. And, and that's not even mentioning the starters like Maddie Williams having a great year, Taylor Robertson we just talked about. I think Nevaeh Tot does a great job of uh, leading the offense and on the defensive end. So when you've got Skylar Van coming off the bench, like you you you've got a player. Like they're they're really good. Um, do I look at this OU women's team as a chance, like a Final Four team? It's going to be tough because when you look at the rankings right now, the top three are just so good, man. Um, you're talking about a South Carolina team that's good once again. They're undefeated. Ohio State's really good this year. Uh, LSU with Kim Mulkey. Like, all of those teams are 18-0. That's three really good solid basketball teams. I think, Connor, if you're OU, you've really got to push to be – a two or a three seed in the tournament. Because you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to have to face one of those three teams I just mentioned in the Sweet 16. No, you because don't. I, I, yeah. OU's very capable, but those three teams are really good. That would be that'd be a tough matchup. Yeah, you hope to be a two or a three seed. I mean, I can see this uh, ball team I mean, making it to the Sweet 16. I think the girls' basketball is more spread out than it uh, used to be. I mean, UConn's still good, but they're not as powerful as they've been in the past. South Carolina is still the number one team. They're they're legit. But, I mean, outside of South yeah. Carolina, I mean, I feel like you could make a run. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're at 405 Burger Bar right here in Norman. You're driving around, listening, going to head to the basketball games. Not basketball game. Basketball games. Come join us, uh, 2539 West Main Street right here in Norman. I'm going to be here until 2.30 as the men game, men's game gets underway at 3. I am. Um, this is a big day for 405 Burger Bar. Because they don't know it yet, but Gordon Ramsay Jr. is uh, in the house today. My, my daughter, Charlotte, she ordered the chicken strips. She's basically like Gordon Ramsay when it comes to uh, judging food. So we'll see how 405 Burger Bar stacks up with the chicken strips. We'll see. I, I, I hope for the best, 405 Burger Bar. She, she's honest, if nothing else. So we'll, we'll see how she feels about things. All right, Kendall Cow, Sikkim 365 coming up next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.
All right, the moment of truth has already arrived. We're at 405 Burger Bar right here in Norman, getting you ready for the OU men at 3 and the OU women at 6 p.m. 405 Burger Bar, 2539 West Main Street right here in Norman. Big Buns, Real Meats. You've heard the commercials. I say it all the time. Uh, the Green Chili Burger is outstanding, by the way. I would just like to let everyone know that. But it's all about the chicken strips. How many thumbs up? Two thumbs up from Charlotte on the chicken strips. 405 Burger Bar has done it. They have created the best chicken strip of all time. How about that? That's great. Love that. Um, short little interview here. We've got a loyal ref listener and one of our krefsports.tv athletes, Hank Warwick, Edmund North Soccer, no big deal. Um, Hank, Hank just took a visit to OU today, so I'm curious how that, uh, how that went. But first off, what would you order here at uh, Fire Burger Bar? I got the classic burger. Classic burger. Classic burger for a classic guy. I love that. Uh, how was the tour at OU today? It was a lot of fun. Yeah? What, was your, what was your favorite part? Uh, probably, like, going through the dorms. Going through the dorms? Okay. Are, nice. are you ready to commit to OU? As yeah. Your, uh, you're, you're ready? Yeah. Okay. Hank has just officially committed to OU. <laughs> what's, what's uh, yeah, hand clap. What, what's important to you on your uh, collegiate visit besides, and don't say the girls either, Hank. Like, <laughs> uh. The education. Yeah, right. Such a liar. All right. See ya. See ya, Hank. Golly. All right. 405-651-3439 if you want to text the show. Let's get to Kendall Count. Let's find a little bit more about the Baylor Bears from Sikkim 365. All right. OU Baylor coming your way 3 p.m. And let's get the Baylor side of things. Kendall Count of Sikkim 365, 365, I should say, joins us now. Kendall, appreciate you doing this. And, and as I look at Baylor right now, 13-5 and five overall in the year, what were expectations before the year? And through 18 games, do you think Baylor has you know met the expectations that they had preseason? Preseason expectations are pretty high, uh, Tyler, like they have been the last several years. With Adam Flagler back, Keontae George has had a big season as a top 10 recruit coming in lj crier was the leading scorer on last year's team that was a number one seed crier missed the back half of the season but coming into the season i think top 10 expectations were what baylor had probably not quite met them right now especially on the defensive end where baylor depending on what moment you look at it is sub 100 on ken palm so not quite met expectations but not far off and i think optimism still remains throughout the rest of the campaign well you brought up Keontae george and this kid just wow um last time i checked i think he's averaging 17 a game is he, in your opinion, the best freshman in the Big 12? And where does he rank in terms of best freshman in all of college, uh, college basketball this year? I think he's the best freshman in the Big 12. Some other candidates, Iowa State obviously has their great freshman play. Uh, Grady Dix had a good season at Kansas. But I think Keontae George sticks out with how dominant he's been offensively. Uh, look at his stats recently, 32 points in Baylor's first Big 12 victory in Morgantown against West Virginia. Puts up 27 in Lubbock to lead Baylor to a victory there the third time in four seasons. I think nationally, Brandon Miller maybe has had a better season at Alabama. But outside of that, I think he's clearly a freshman All-American. And if he keeps it up like this, he might make the regular All-American team as well. You know, going back a decade now, at least for me, it always seems like the hallmark of Scott Drew's team has been, like you see him up close in person, it's like, oh, wow. Uh, they're impressive looking, and they look like the most athletic team in the league. And, you know, maybe, you know, some years they weren't the best team in the league, but they may be the best looking team in the league. Is, is that the case with this year's Scott Drew team? Are they just as, as super athletic as they seemingly been over the past decade? 
I don't think they have the athleticism they've had in past years, Tyler. I think that's what's maybe hampered them on the defensive end. Davion Mitchell's absolute ability to get into the jersey and stop anybody from scoring earned in the moniker off night. Mark Vidal could have highlight dunks from ninth grade on back when Yahoo was putting on highlights of high school kids, which is dominant in that respect. So not quite that athleticism that they've had in the past with Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer. Jalen Bridges is pretty athletic, but Flo Thamba plays a lot more minutes than he has the last two seasons, and he doesn't have that top-tier athleticism that a Jonathan Chama Chachua had, or that a Rico Gathers or a Quincy Ace even going back to the era you had mentioned, Tyler. So that lack of athleticism might be what keeps Baylor between their goals of making a Final Four and maybe their bounce in the round of 32 or lose a tight Sweet 16 game. Keno Cal, Sikkim365 uh, th- uh, is our guest. Now, this is a somewhat off-topic question, but it's very relevant because it's a big conversation around here. R- will you remind me, like, Baylor is set to debut a new arena soon, correct? Yes, uh, so the plan right now, and we'll see if the plan comes to fruition, is at the start of Big 12 play next season, Baylor will be in that new arena. Okay, well, it- it's a big conversation around here, Kendall, because... You know, this goes back, I don't know, five years. Um, you know, OU, I think the OU basketball fan wants a new arena, but there's difficulty maybe with the city of Norman. Um, it's going to cost a lot of money to build, of course, so the dynamics, there's somewhat of some infighting around here for it not to happen. D- did Baylor experience that at all? Was the city of Waco all for it? Were Baylor fans and the Baylor administration all for it? Or was there maybe some infighting and was that a difficult thing to, to, to get to happen? I think there was pretty good unity between Waco itself and Baylor. Waco will be using that arena for some of its concert venues. They want to get more concerts to Waco. So I think there was good unity there. And then it also, the hope, even though you can ask the question, is this really a downtown arena for Baylor? It's closer to downtown than Baylor's campus is. So the hope is that that can revitalize economic development in the downtown. I don't know if that's actually the case, but with how successful Baylor basketball had been, I think there was a synergistic relationship as I'm throwing out all the corporate buzzwords that I get in the emails about the new arena. Uh, so maybe more corporate buzzwords can get Norman and OU on the right page. Because there are things I like about the Lloyd Noble Center, but then there are other times where I'm like, I, I don't know, this bowl's not really impressing <laughs> me. So I, I wish OU fans the best in getting a new arena. In your mind, would that new arena really uh, help Baylor's recruiting? I think it can make some difference. You know, you look at those studies about does an arena help recruiting? Does it help with economic development? I don't know that it does any of those things, but I think the biggest impact they'll have is a more imposing environment. The fans of the Farrell Center in Waco right now are not very on top of the action like they are at Allen Fieldhouse or at some of the other historic venues in college basketball. So the hope is that by pushing more folks towards the arena, if you're a referee in the last two minutes of the game, maybe that restricted arc looks a little bit bigger when Baylor's taking a charge. Maybe it looks a little bit smaller uh, in other situations. So that's the hope for Baylor with that. And I think OU definitely needs a new arena, so... Uh, put me down for if, if I'm voicing a vote, I, I want you to get a new arena as well. Well, you just made a lot of fans around here, Kendall. I can tell you that. Um, it's amazing to me because, you know, you look back and Scott Drew, it's like, yeah, I mean, has he really been here since 2003? Of course he's been here since 2003. I mean, it, it's hard to remember Baylor basketball before Scott Drew. Of course, he won the title recently. I, I'm guessing that he is on the – you know, Mount Rushmore of Baylor coaches of all time in any sport. Is Scott Drew thought of as maybe the greatest head coach in Baylor history, regardless of sport, or, or is it someone else? I think he's got the best claim. The other ones you could throw out would be Grant Taff, who was a Baylor football coach for decades, but didn't get over the hump to win a national championship. Still a great coach. Kim Mulkey with her success in women's basketball, but that kind of depends on your 
discussion you can get into about, well, do you put her up there because it's a different sport where the top echelons aren't quite as competitive and the resources Baylor put in makes it different. And then if you do grades got through on a curve, which I think you rightfully have to do coming off the Dave Bliss scandal and that Baylor basketball's history was 1948-1950 Final Four, made the NCAA tournament in 1988, and then nothing else. Yeah. Right? No tournaments for 15 years before. You're coming off a scandal before the 88, no NCAA tournaments for 38 years. I mean, you want to write the book on Baylor basketball's history, not include the scandal. The book would be one page. And now all that history he's developed since then. I think he's clearly the best coach. And then I'm not going to mention how you do or don't want to view Art Bryles because Baylor doesn't uh, have any members of the Bryles family on staff anymore, so I don't have to do that. Um, and I'm glad that they ended up firing him back in the day. So I, I would personally not put him on the Mount Rushmore for what happened off the field. But for on-field success, you could. But for off-field success, I certainly would not. You know, when when you think of you know someone who's been at the same school since 2003, someone might think of a 70-year-old man over there on the sidelines. Scott Drew is, is, not, is not that. Is there a sense of how much longer he's going to coach? I mean, he's still a relatively young guy. Do you think that there's a chance that he's in Waco for another 10 years or even beyond that? I think he'll definitely coach for uh, beyond that, Tyler. He gets great joy out of coaching. I think he likes the journey of taking a group, seeing where they can go at the end. And I think he's somebody who likes the work of recruiting a lot still, which I think burns out a lot of college coaches. Maybe a Jay Wright didn't feel like he wanted to recruit forever. So I think Scott Drew will be coaching into his 70s. I don't know that he'll Larry Brown it, be in his mid-80s and take any job imaginable, even if it's an assistant. But I think he'll be going well into his 70s. You know, Baylor wins that national title a couple of years ago, and I'm sure the hope down there is that that's great, but let, let, let's go win another one. You know, when you're trying to parlay your chances even further with, you know, everything that comes with winning a national championship. In, in, in your opinion, and Baylor had a really great season last year, just got cut short in the NCAA tournament. Has Baylor taken advantage of the momentum that the program had after winning the national championship, if that question makes sense? Yeah, that's a good question, Tyler. I think they have. Uh, between locking down the arena, Scott Drew was able to add another member to his staff after Baylor won the title. He talked to Mac Rhodes, I think, that early morning when they were celebrating the title. And he said, okay, now can I get that extra staff member? And Mac Rhodes was just like, yeah, I can't deny you there. So he used that momentum to get another staff member. And the recruiting has gone back to the talented one-and-done players. For the earlier part of the last decade, Baylor had Harry Jones, Quincy Miller, Isaiah Austin. They had fallen out of fashion with those guys, which whether you want to blame it on shoe companies getting more involved or just that Duke, Kansas, and other programs really investing in them are very hard to overcome. Well, Baylor's done that recently. Keontae George, certainly a one-and-done talent. They have Jacoby uh, Walker coming in next season, who probably is a one-and-done talent as well. And then they're very in the thick of things for Trey Johnson, who's the number one player in the following class. And I don't think those are the kind of players Baylor was landing before the success they've had in recent seasons where they can point to Davion Mitchell. Torian Prince is still in the NBA, and their success winning the tournament and then having a shot to have won the tournament the year before. So before I ask you this question, like I, I think OU fans are looking at this game right now and saying, you know, Baylor's the better basketball team, but you got it at home. It's like it's a winnable game, and you need to win this game because next week you're at TCU, then you got Alabama at home. Like Baylor's a really good basketball team inside the top 25, but it, it's about to start getting really, really difficult after this game. And then I look at Baylor on Saturday and say, well, things are about to get really difficult for them too. You guys get Arkansas in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Just kind of your your overall um, thoughts on this matchup. Because it seems like it's a really big game for both teams. Um, I mean, OU is, I think, the last team in currently in bracketology. Baylor's not in that spot. Just kind of your overall thoughts on this game and just um, how, how critical this game could be for Baylor to steal a road win in the league. 
absolutely critical. I think you've done a great job laying out the stakes for Oklahoma and Baylor. Tyler, on top of that, I'd mention that if Baylor wants to get in the Big 12 race, they have to win this game. That would put them at 4-3. and three. And then with Kansas coming to town on Big Monday before the SEC Challenge, you mentioned the following Saturday, if you beat OU to get to 4-3 and three if you're Baylor and then knock off Kansas, you're only one game behind Kansas with still 10 games to play and the feeling that you've got a lot of winnable games still on the schedule, although they won some of their easier games recently, that would knock out the third road victory for Baylor on this season. And I don't know that a lot of Big 12 teams are going to get to four or five road victories, which means you've made up for the two home losses Baylor's already taken. So while there might be a natural inclination in a different season to maybe feel this is a trap game or overlook OU to focus on Kansas on Big Monday, I think there's a respect for what Porter Mosier's done and a respect for Oklahoma. And Baylor knows with their already three losses in the Big 12, they can't overlook this game if they want to get back in that Big 12 title. Hunt. Yeah. Last one I have, um, who knows how many times OU and Baylor are going to play basketball in the next 10 years. Any hard feelings from Baylor fans on the upcoming SEC move? And if that is the case, are, are the feelings more towards Texas? Are the feeling more towards OU? Is it both? Like, How, how do Baylor fans feel about uh, the new upcoming Big 12 without OU and Texas in it? I think it's one of those things like anything in life where different people react differently on different days. Uh, the Texas hatred will always be manifest at Baylor. Uh, the feeling that the hatred for Texas will run deep at Baylor forever. Yeah, so yeah. that part of the move, I think, always will bother Baylor. I think the thing that probably bothers most Baylor fans the most about how it went down was the secrecy surrounding it and the feeling that the league was going to be in the same posture for a long time. With the Big 12, I think, seemingly being on pretty good footing with the expanded playoff, some good additions coming to the conference. And with this league still being very good at basketball, perhaps better at basketball, I think it's good for him on that front. But I do think there's going to be some consternation towards OU and Texas for a long time for the folks left behind. But I think eventually, you know, people get over it, and the best recipe for that's winning. But certainly the football product has taken a massive decline with the loss of OU and Texas. Sure, yeah, no doubt. All right, Kendall Cal, Sikkim 365. Appreciate you joining us, Kendall. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the basketball game. Heck yeah, thanks, Tyler. Welcome back. It's the Ref Army pregame show live on the Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans, Tyler McComas and Connor Pasby. We got you until 2.30 for the 3 p.m. game, OU and Baylor, and the 6 p.m. game, it's Bedlam in Women's Hoop, 6 p.m. Uh, 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus, live from 405 Burger Bar here in Norman, where I have devoured a green chili burger. It was fantastic. Uh, I, I'm not just, like, saying that because I'm here and being nice. Like, that green chili burger was elite. Hashtag elites. I will be coming back to 405 Burger Bar. And it's like private room area we're back in here. It's awesome. They have a great TV setup. It's almost like a man cave back here. It's it's really, really cool. Big fan of uh, 405 Burger Bar right here in Norman. KU is getting just destroyed right now at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Now, we've seen this before, right? They're down 16 with eight minutes left. The game will be tight with under two minutes left. The calls are about to go KU's way. I've seen this enough times to know how this goes. But the question right now, Connor, is who's the best team in the Big 12? And I think before you answer that, you have to kind of throw in the names who are in consideration of that. I think KU's in consideration of that. K-State's in consideration for that. Um, Texas is probably in consideration for that. Baylor's in consideration for that. Did I say TCU already? Like, there's a handful of teams. If you had to say who's the best team in the league right now, like, who, which team are you going with? Uh, yeah, that's the money question. I mean, I thought it was TCU, but then I watched TCU play at Morgantown yeah, they uh, last bad. week. Yeah, I mean, they made it interesting at the end, but I don't think there is one best team. You, I thought uh, 
you had Kansas go to Kansas State, the octagon of doom, and Kansas State won that one. So, I mean, I think it's just up for grabs. Everyone's just elite this year. Kendall says it's uh, TCU. He thinks TCU is the best team in the league. Maybe. I mean, Kansas I think, State. I think, I think offensively, I mean, TCU yeah. has so many weapons on the floor. Well, and guess who you play next week in your midweek game on their home floor? You got, dude, you got at TCU in Alabama next week. Yep. Is there a team in college basketball that has a tougher week next week than OU? No. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, no. I don't know if there is. I, I'd like to see a tougher two-game stretch if it's out there. Um, it feels like yeah. every SEC game we get is, like, literally against a top-five team. I mean, Auburn last year, didn't they come in unranked into the season? And they happen to be the number one team, and OU travels yeah. to Auburn. I mean, it's just, it's, just, it's just brutal. No, you're right. They do get some tough draws in the Big 12 SEC chat. Like, they like to pair up KU and Kentucky. We've seen, like, Texas and Tennessee, but... Yeah, OU got the number one team in the country last year in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They're going to get – like Alabama's going to move up because KU lost earlier this week and they might lose again today. Alabama's probably going to be a top three team when they come to Norman next week. So you've had two – the number one team last year, number three team this year most likely, maybe even higher than that. You had uh, the LSU team with Ben Simmons in Baton Rouge. You had the Alabama team with Colin Sexton like four years ago. Al- OU gets the tough draws on these, man. Jeez. You have, I mean, yeah, I mean, after that, you have a little bit of a breather. I mean, I guess you can say that. OSU at home, and then you go to Morgantown, I mean, who obviously just picked up a win over TCU. But, uh, yeah, it just, it just sucks. I mean, having a, a top five, Alabama, yeah, like you said, Alabama's going to move up to probably three or two, then you bring them to Norman. Uh, just think if OU has a few baskets go their way in conference games. I mean, two two different baskets, one against Texas and then one against Iowa State. And I know, like, you could do that for every team in America right now. Here's two baskets, here's two more wins. But what? where's OU right now if that's the case? If you finish just two games at home, man, the two conference games at home you've lost, those back-to-back games against Texas and Iowa State, you're not the last team in in bracketology – you're not comfortably in, but you're in a lot better shape than you are right now, Connor, if you're, like, to, to this texture's point, if you just have two or maybe even one bucket go your way. Yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, you're just on the wrong end of that for Iowa State and Texas. But, Tyler, that's what it comes down to in the Big 12. Who's going to hit the I know, man. Who's gonna hit true. the big-time shots down the stretch because every game is going to be close. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, everyone uh, is looking up at OU on the uh, women's side for the uh, Big 12 standings. and. They just got it rolling, man. And, and Jeannie Baranchek came in here, and in year one, they go to the Sweet 16. And year two, I definitely think they have a chance to get back to the Sweet 16 and, and, and maybe get a little bit further than that. Uh, the big story today is Taylor Robertson, four threes away from tying the NCAA record at 497. Some players to watch today for Oklahoma State. Naomi uh, Alnatis is their leading scorer with 13.8 points per game. She's a nice player. Uh, Claire Chastain, 11.9 points per game. They won at Baylor on January 11th, but again, not the same old Baylor, but, you know, winning at Waco is still a, uh, that's, that's, that's still a big thing to do. So, OU will probably have their hands full tonight. This is an Oklahoma State team that can really guard. This is an OU team that can really score. And here's the thing, though, for Oklahoma State, Connor, if it's one of those nights where, Taylor Robertson is just money from the outside. If it's one of those where Maddie Williams is just doing what she wants in the paint, like OSU has no chance. Like this is a game where OSU has to hope 
their defense is at an elite level, and maybe you catch OU on an off night. That's what they got to hope for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if OU's hitting early, I mean, that's tough for Oklahoma State to see that. It's just fun to see an OU girls team that puts up a lot of points, over 80 yeah. points a game, up tempo. You just love that, love that kind of basketball. I know the guys don't have that. They slow it down, and they make it uh, slow and – they kind of grind it out toward the end, but it's nice to have the OU girls uh, just scoring a lot of points. Gunny says uh, T-Rob's going to break the record today. Gunny is on the record. He's saying that five, well, five no, three-pointers, Gunny. Four, four to tie. Four to four tie, tie, five for the record, and Gunny's saying she's going to hit five threes today. She, okay? be- she better shoot more than 15 threes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey, if, if, if she breaks the record today, if she hits five, OU's going to win by about 30 tonight oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. in Bedlam. You know? I mean, it's it, it's going to get ugly at the LNC. If, if uh, Taylor Robertson's hitting five threes tonight, yeah, OU's going to win that game in a route. Which, by the way, we're going to um, we're going to talk to Michael Neal, OU assistant, coming up here in about thirty minutes at two twenty. That's going to be a lot of fun as we get you set for uh, Bedlam later this evening. D- do you agree with my take though? Um, like o- OU's really got to push for a two or a three seed. So you don't run into an LSU, a South Carolina, or an Ohio State in the Sweet 16. Like, that's best-case scenario. Yeah, I mean, you feel a lot better getting to the Sweet 16, obviously, if you're a two or a three seed. Yeah, it gets a little harder if you flirt around that four or five seed range. Makes yeah. it much easier for Oklahoma in the type of team that they have right now if they're a two or three seed. I mean, what what a great first two years it would be for Jenny Baranchek if – she gets the team to, gets the team to the Sweet 16 last year, and then an Elite Eight this year. Maybe even push for a Final Four with the right draw. That'd be that'd be something. All right, 405-651-3439. You guys even work on Saturdays on the text line. You guys are awesome. We'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up next. 405 Burger Bar in Norman. Keep it locked on the Ref. Ref Army pregame show live on the Ref. Tyler McComas, Connor Pasby live at 405 Burger Bar in Norman, where the burgers are at 10. The chicken strips are apparently a 10. And the milkshakes look like a 10 as well. I see an empty milkshake over there at the end of the table. So uh, we've got cleaned up quite nicely here at 405 Burger Bar. I'm standing up a little straight this segment because uh, Doug from Norman, Connor, has just made a couple appearances back here. So hey, I'm there we ready. go. Uh, Doug's, Doug's been nice coming saying hi. I'm just ready for Doug to hit the text line and saying something that we said is ridiculous and, and dumb. So, no, I appreciate Doug for coming out here. He's a, he's a good guy. So, okay, can, can we go back to a previous conversation that we had last segment about the best team in the Big 12 and we'll move on? Yeah. TCU's up 25 right now in Lawrence. I feel like – we'll, we'll see. Like, TCU's going to win this game, okay? At least I think. But if you go up to the fog and dominate like that, I think TCU's got to be considered the best team in the league right now. Is that okay? Yeah, and it's, oh, especially to be up by over 20. I mean, don't you – you see most teams that – are up maybe around six or eight towards the last five minutes, and KU comes back to win. But, I mean, up by over 20 against Kansas. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think you have to say that. Uh, Ronnie from Norman says, TCU still ahead by 22. Looks like KU is going down. John Higgins must have the day off. If you know, you know. That's a very, very uh, text, Looks like Texas Tech will be up at half at Kansas State. Are they still winless in the league, Tech? They are, yep. Is that right? God, man, four years – not even four years ago, they were playing in a national championship, and now they're winless. That loss, losing Chris Beard just, I mean, of course it, like, it hurt them, but, man, it, it's, it's really tanked their program. Well, they still got some players. That's a strange thing. I mean, they still yeah. brought back some players from last year, and, they're, yeah, they're just struggling. Yeah. Um, is there going to be an air horn 
during uh, free throws at the game today? I don't like know. It was should, Wednesday yeah. night? Should I, feel we... like I, was a, I feel like I was at an Edmund North game on Wednesday night with air horns going on <laughs> where someone's shooting free throws. Yeah, should the LNC answer back to what Oklahoma State did? I mean, you had it twice. <laughs> uh, I was hoping they would do the air horn for the third time and get the technical foul. And, and hey, for as much as Grant Sherfield, like he struggled in the second half, um, you know, he, he, he hit two free throws with air horns going on. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was. Uh, Iowa State's up on OSU by 10 at the half. Like Connor said, looks like Tech's going to be up two going into half. And right now it's TCU 79, Kansas 57 with under three left in the second half. And obviously Kansas won the national championship last year, but, you know, they struggled to beat OSU at home. Um, they were down 10 with four minutes left to OU at home. Uh, they're getting ran out of the gym right now by TCU on their home floor. You know, and, and they've got enough talent that they can get right when it's important, but Kansas is not even remotely close to the team they were a year ago, man. Not even close. No, and sorry, I was just looking at the Oklahoma State-Iowa State score. Can you tell me why Bryce Thompson goes off against OU at Stillwater and he has one point at half Because that's how it works. Iowa State. That's he did, how it he did, works? He did the same thing last year. He, he hasn't really lived up to his hype transferring from Kansas, yeah. but every time he plays Oklahoma, he just slides it up. Oh, hey, if you would have asked me right after the Bedlam game Wednesday, how many points is Bryce Thompson going to have in the first Under half? Under 10. Or, yeah. I would have said one, probably. <laughs> and, yeah, he has one at the half right now. But he was hitting every shot, um, contested, fading away, whatever. It was it was insane, man, insane. All right, we got a couple more segments remaining here on the uh, Ref Army pregame show. Uh, we got an athlete from the Dragons that just walked in. How about this? We got a good crowd over here at the 405 Burger Bar. Good times. All right, two more segments left. Michael Neal joining us at 220. OU Women's Basketball Assistant Coach. That should be good. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Loyal listener, Vicky's in the house. Let's go. She just said she listens to The Ref from 6 a.m. until I come on at 2 p.m. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And she's she's all white. She got the memo for the whiteout today. Thank you. Have the best time. Have the best time. There you go. Going to both games today. No big deal. Clear purse as well. They, they know what they're doing. There's just, just a couple vets going to the game today. Whiteouts. Um, not everyone got the memo for a whiteout. I see uh, Abby Warwick in front of us uh, going with the gray out today instead. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. Maybe we can get her a white T-shirt before she goes to the uh, game today. Tyler McComas and Connor Pasby, we got you till 2.30. Uh, if you didn't hear, big interview coming up next segment at 2.20. We got OU assistant Michael Neal coming up as uh, OU and OSU, 6 p.m. tonight on ESPN+. Plus. But let's get back to the men's game because uh, we got that in less than an hour. 3 o'clock on ESPN2. Baylor is a two-point favorite. Uh, ESPN's basketball power index has Baylor at a 56 6.1 chance uh, to win. So, you know, in terms of like the top 25 opponents that you have left, Connor, um, and some of those you have on the road and not at home, like for the Big 12 teams currently in the top 25, this might be your best five burger bar. Sorry about that. We're back and ready to go, though. No, what I'm saying, though, is, you know, th- this might be your best chance of, of top 25 remaining teams to get a win inside the top 25 because Texas is in the top 25. You got them on the road. You don't have them at home. You lost to them earlier this year. Um, we'll see about Kansas. I mean, K- Kansas is a team that, 
You know, you had a great chance to beat in Lawrence. Um, Iowa State, you got to go to Ames later. Um, Kansas State, you got both them home and home and um, home and road at the tail end of the year. But you're talking about a top 25 win currently in the top 25. Connor Baylor might be your best chance here. Yeah, no, you like your chances today over the rest of the top 25 teams you got. I mean, a lot of them or the rest of them are on the road. It feels like at number seven Texas. And to close it out at the end of the year at Iowa State, at Kansas State. So you like your chances today. It'll be, a, I mean, it's a tough matchup against Baylor, but like we said, they're not as elite as they've been in the past, but uh, still a really good team. They rebound the basketball really well. So I think it's important today for OU to out-rebound Baylor, force them to one-and-dones on the defensive end. Uh, it's final in Lawrence. KU lost by 23 today Man. to TCU. Woo! <laughs> Man, that's got to be their worst home loss in. It's got I'm trying to think of in my lifetime where they lost by 23 points. Uh, I'd like to see that stat. I'll, let me see if I can dig that up before we get out of here today. KU loses by 23, and they are going to a tumble in the rankings. Houston, Kelvin Sampson, uh, currently number one in the rankings. Uh, KU's at two, but obviously they've lost twice this week. Today to TCU by 23, and then earlier this week at Kansas State. You got Purdue at three. They're really good. Alabama at four. We'll see them next Saturday. UCLA at five. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, Gonzaga at six. They've got some familiar faces on that team. Texas at seven and Xavier at eight. And, you know, there's some years where it was very top heavy. There's one, two, maybe three teams that we say, yeah, they're. They're kind of a cut above the rest. They look like the best teams in the country. Connor, this is as wide open as I can remember it in terms of winning a national championship. Like, I I, I won't be all that shocked if a team that we're not talking about a whole lot now finds themselves in the uh, national championship game because it really is wide open. Yeah, it's more spread out. You did have Purdue that was ranked one for a while, but they've had some uh, really close games. They're still 16-1. and uh, Houston, they haven't played a, a great schedule, but, I mean, Sampson – he really has that bunch going. So yeah. spread out as usual. I think it's anybody's game once you get to the tournament. No, and, and you're right. Like This is not the Baylor team that won a national championship two years ago. It's not. But look, look with what we just said, like, it's wide open. It's not crazy to think that even this Baylor team could make a serious run and do some damage. they got the best freshman in the Big 12, Keontae George. You're going to see him today leading score with 17.7 points per game. He's really, really good. Um, they've got Jalen Bridges, a transfer from West Virginia. Uh, very familiar name. He's their leading rebounder. And they've got the familiar names. Adam Flagler, 5.3 assists per game. Flo Thamba, LJ Cryer. Um, so they've got some familiar names, some transfer names, and some new names. And it kind of feels like Baylor um, maybe starting to play some of their better ball of the year. And hopefully that ends today at 3 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh, when the Sooners and Bears uh, lock it up with uh, Baylor as a uh, two-point favorite. I'll say this, like, OU is a, is a home underdog, okay? Like, Baylor is coming into this game as the better basketball team, but Baylor is not a lock-you-down type of team. Like, they're not great defensively by the numbers. So what you're hoping for today, and I think what you're counting on is, Grant Sherfield was great in the first half in Stillwater. Let's see that in the second half, too. Let's see Grant Sherfield light it up from beyond three-point range. And if that happens consistently, that's going to open things up for Milos Yuzan. Um, hopefully that opens things up for the Groves brothers today. Like I think when Sherfield's hot, it can open up a lot of things offensively. And what you got to hope today is a Baylor team that's not just – they're not all over. This isn't like Oklahoma State earlier this week. 
you're going to have open shots. You're going to have open chances. You're going to have to have your big-time shooters cash in from the outside. It's, it's a chance for C.J. Nolan to hit some three-point shots as well. Didn't he play uh, really good a few games ago? He played all right in Stillwater, but he's going to have some chances today because I don't see OU scoring much down low. It's still a Baylor team that has a lot of size, so you got to take advantage of your chances and your open shots uh, from three. Yeah, and Tanner Gross needs to start playing his best ball. Yeah, and know. some will laugh at that and say, what's his best ball look like? Hey, <laughs> what, what, what does that even look like? Oh, okay, fine, fair, probably. But I, I do think he's, I think he's capable of more than what he's been giving here recently, and he's going to have to be better, consistently better moving forward if, you know, th- this team hopes to be on the right side of the bubble when it's all said and done because – as we pointed out earlier today, OU is the last team in bracketology. They are the last team. OU is the definition of a bubble team. And the thing is, the schedule doesn't get any easier. In fact, just the opposite. The schedule gets a whole lot more difficult. There's two ways to look at that, right? Yeah. One, well, you're a bubble team, and, oh, wow, the schedule's about to get tougher. Yikes. Or two, you're going to have a lot of opportunities left here down the stretch. But here's the thing. You've already lost two uh, league games at home to Texas and Iowa State. I don't think that you can lose this one today. Like, we opened up the show today talking about um, the must-win scale from 1 to 10. I put it at an 8, and you were you were right there in lockstep with me. Yeah, 8 or 9, it's up there. If you, I feel like if you take care of your take care of business at home from here on out and maybe grab uh, two road games against one of those top 25 teams, I think you feel better about your chances. I'm surprised I saw OU in the last four in after the Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, loss, but, I mean, you still take it. You know what we need today? What's that? We need Toby Keith and Barry by God Switzer at the game again today. <laughs> I know they you didn't see, win. Did you see Toby Keith after the Oklahoma State game go out to yeah. the bar? Yeah, that's awesome. He was singing Should Have Been a Cowboy <laughs> yeah. with all the OSU uh, students there and uh, buying drinks for people. But We need an atmosphere they... today. We need an atmosphere. Yeah, what, Stillwater, really what Stillwater did against uh, in Bedlam, that was, that was awesome to see. Yeah, no, they, they, they really do. I mean, the, the margin of error is just so slim in this league, man, especially when, you know, you don't have the talent of you know, what TCU has this year or what Kansas has on a year-in, year-out basis. And a way to kind of curb that a little bit is for a great home court advantage, for the home court to be a factor. But when you're not the most talented team in the league, you're not getting top 10, top 15 recruiting classes, and you don't have – most nights a great home court advantage. It's an uphill battle on a night-in, night-out basis. It's, it, it's, it's tough. But here's the thing, Connor, and we've used the word opportunity so many times throughout the show. I, I know some people are very skittish about OU basketball currently right now, but if you can just win the day, man, and you're a two-point dog, ESPN BPI says 56% chance to win. I'm not saying that it totally changes the perception of this team or this season. But you're going to feel a whole heck of a lot better Saturday night about things if you get a win today against Baylor at home. This is a big, big, big basketball game. Well, and you build some confidence. If you lose, if you lose today, I mean, you got a good chance to maybe lose the next two against TCU and Bama, and that's four yeah. losses in a row. You just, you just don't need that, especially when you're getting when you're getting late in the year. Yeah, and well, hey, we'll, we'll see what this team is made of. You know, yeah. they, they had one of their, you know, worst twenty minute stretches of basketball the last time that they played in Stillwater. So this team, I, I think they know where they're at. I mean, they, they might tell us that, you know, they don't look at bracketology and things like that. But i, I got to think that they're aware of their current situation. So let's see how they come out today. 
You know, let, let's see if they come out, play inspired basketball, and are ready to put that Bedlam game behind them. I, I hope they are. I hope they come out early and hitting shots. I, I hope it's not like the first ten minutes of the Iowa State game that we saw a few weeks ago, right? Like, let's see this team come out, play well, play hot, because this is a Baylor team that can really score, man. So as much as we talk about Grant Sherfield on the offensive end and Lowe's on the offensive end, your defense is going to have to be good again today because – Baylor's scoring like 80 points per game, man. They can really score. Yeah, you got you got to get stops. I f- it feels like OU's played a good first half of basketball for, I mean, most, yeah. most of the year so far. It's just when they get to the second half. And, yeah, like we've talked about, I mean, the last five minutes of the game. Last five minutes. All right, we're going to close. Oh, let's see. Tech is up three at Kansas State, 19 minutes left in the second half. All right, interesting. Well, uh, hopefully it is a crazy day in the Big 12. Because if it's a crazy day in the Big 12, it means uh, – We'll be celebrating at about 5.15 later on today. All right, we've got one final segment left from 405 Burger Bar here in Norman, where the burgers are elite, the chicken's elite, and the milkshakes are elite. Letting you know, two out of three of those I didn't even try, but uh, they're telling me that the chicken strips, milkshakes, and I had the uh, green chili burger. It was outstanding. But our final segment, we're going to talk uh, OU women's hoops with uh, OU assistant Michael Neal, which is going to be pretty cool, getting you ready for that Bedlam matchup tonight at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. Final segment coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. All right, final segment of our Ref Army pregame show. The men are underway in about 40 minutes, 3 o'clock on ESPN2, OU and Baylor. But it's also Bedlam tonight, doubleheader at the LNC, 6 p.m. on ESPN+. The OU women. Five and one in the conference all alone at the top of the Big 12 standings. And uh, really excited to talk to OU assistant Michael Neal this segment uh, before we get out of here. Uh, Michael, I appreciate you taking the time today after shoot-around. I, I want to get to tonight's game and kind of the big storyline surrounding it. But first, heck of a win at TCU on Wednesday nights. Um, h- how did you feel about the win in Fort Worth early- earlier this week? Oh, man, I, it, it was a great win. I think um... – our, our our ladies were prepared and they shot it well. They played with a lot of freedom and, and shared the basketball and had a lot of fun. And whenever they're doing that, they're really really tough to beat. I'm sure you're aware of a uh, pretty big storyline today. Taylor Robertson four three pointers away from the or tying the NCAA record. Um, yep. I, I, I'm sure that you don't want her thinking about that every time she catches the ball. So as a shooter yourself. Like, what are you telling her? Like, how are you trying to coach her through, you know, maybe one of the biggest moments of her career? You don't say nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just pretty much routine of, of – um, she knows what we have to get done, and, and she's not she's not geared towards any, any record. She, it, it'd be nice, and, and, and people kind of remind her all the time, so she can't ignore it. But when she's out there, she, she's locked into scouts. She's locked into her teammates. She's locked into Jenny. And, and she's all about winning. Whenever that stuff happens, uh, and she's, we're, we're playing our best basketball with sharing it, like those type of things find her. So um, we, we really don't say anything about it. Jenny doesn't bring it up at all. Um, she just wants those girls to be locked in and play. So whenever it happens, when it happens, I, I'm sure it'll be phenomenal for everybody, um, especially her teammates and Taylor and her family. But uh, whenever she's out there, she's trying to win the ball game. Where does Taylor rank in terms of best – three-point shooters you've seen in women's college basketball? You know I'm biased, so you, you're asking the wrong person, but uh, <laughs> she's, she's got to be up there with, with the best of the best. Who, who, whoever's on that list for, for somebody else, she's, 
she's got to be right there. Um, and that's no disrespect to anybody, but the preparation, the, the hard work that she puts in, um, it, it's 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 bar none to, to to no one really. And um, she's she's just a phenomenal basketball player and an outstanding shooter. I'm not asking the wrong guy. I'm asking the perfect guy because I agree with you, Michael. I mean, she's probably going to finish her career with over 500 threes. Of course she's got to be thought of as uh, one of the best yeah. to ever shoot a three-pointer in women's college basketball. Hey, um, yeah, um, four seniors in the starting lineup. I think you got uh, another junior in the starting lineup as well. Are you one of the more experienced teams in the Big 12 this year, and how much of a benefit has, has that been this year? I think I think coming in last year and, and, and Jenny – implementing her system um these girls just play free um and and going through a year of it with with each other and with the additions of, of some some other players like it it just seems like they're getting better and better um yes we have our hiccups from time to time but um these girls playing together and, and filling each other and sharing the basketball it helps and yes the experience is is a real thing and um but you got to have great players or selfless and, and buy into what what Jenny is selling. So um, it's it's been phenomenal to watch, and it's been a lot of fun. You know, I'm looking at Oklahoma State, and they're allowing just 66.1 points per game this year. Um, your team obviously averaging uh, 86 points per game this year. So this is kind of a, a, a fun matchup on paper to look at. Is it fair to say, Michael, that this is kind of a contrast in skies? You, you, you really like to score, but they really want to slow the game down defensively. How, how, do, you, how do you look at this matchup tonight? Well, uh, for the most part, like, Jenny's always preaching, like, we, we're only thinking about ourselves. We, we need to do what we do and, and play with pace. Uh, play with energy and, and, and help each other out there, and then those things take care of itself. So we're not going into a game thinking about uh, what the opponent is doing. We, we just got to be the best versions of ourselves whenever we step out there on the floor. Sure. Yeah, um, it's going to be a fun game tonight, 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. ESPN+. Plus. Again, if you're going to the game, wear white. It's a whiteout for both the men's and women's game tonight. You know, Sweet 16 last year, great season and you're poised to have another really great run again this year. It's, it's, happens, it's happened pretty quick, Michael. Like, why, why has this staff been able to have so much success so early on with this new coaching tenure? They, I, like, it's, it's, it's one of those things to when, when you're here and, and, and you're playing for Jenny, and, and, and Jenny wouldn't say, like, playing for me, but whenever you're, you're in practice and, and she's – just as competitive as anybody that you know. It's like she's out there playing. Uh, yeah. Those those girls just want to compete and perform and to do everything they can to, to help each other win, utilizing their strengths. And and we, we take advantage of those opportunities to get out, run, and have fun. Um, it's it's contagious. And um, I, I often say all the time, and I talk to the players about it too, I say, I wish I played for Jimmy. I, <laughs> I wish I had my yeah. wish like that. That was a thing for me, and having an opportunity to play in this system for, for her, it's it's remarkable, man. And, and people can do some, some fantastic things whenever they come in and, and, and put that jersey on. It's um, It takes you to another level for sure. Yeah, I, you know, Maddie Williams is having a great year. We talked about Taylor already. Uh, I like what Nevaeh Top brings. I really like Skylar Van off the bench. I mean, there's just so many things I like about your team. What do you like about your team and kind of how things sit currently? Like, there's 
we're so versatile. Everybody has a strength, and everybody utilizes that strength um, for the betterment of the team. It's it's not we don't have the one person that um, is going to score the 25, 30 points every single night. We play through them, and that and we have players that can do that. With uh, obviously, you know who with Mariana, T. Rob, uh, Skyler, like those those type of individuals. But at any given moment, like anybody could get you with through utilizing their strengths. And then, like, the, the best games are whenever we have those five, six individuals in double figures because we're sharing it and um, we're just trying to pick teams apart. Um, that's that's the best thing about it. We're, we're selfless. Uh, we care about, the, care about each other. And we, we want to go out there and compete and represent Oklahoma in a way to get people to come back and, and watch us play um, forever. So uh, we all we, we play with excitement. Our coaching staff... Um, gets behind them, and, and, and we're all competitive and trying to win some basketball games and do the best we can for the University of Oklahoma. Love it. Michael, thank you so much. Michael Neal, assistant coach for the uh, OU women's basketball team. Um, happy for the success that you've had this year, but, man, I, I'm happy for you personally and the success that you've had over uh, several years now. So thanks for joining us after shoot around, and best of luck tonight, man. Absolutely. Come out to the game. Yeah, come out to the game. Let's go. And wear white. It's a wide out. Talk to you soon, man. There you go. Michael Neal, no big deal. Ref Army pregame show, just have a OU women's basketball assistant coach on, just talk about the game. I just, no, no big deal, whatever, just breaking it down for us. Uh, quick scoreboard update. Abby Warwick's wanting to come on and give a final score for the men's game before we get out of here. Uh, Iowa State is up on Oklahoma State at GIA 45-43 with uh, about 13 and a half minutes left in the second half. Texas Tech up on Kansas State in the octagon of doom. 14 and a half minutes left in the second half. Of course, OU and Baylor coming your way at 3 p.m. And then later on tonight, Texas at West Virginia, 5 o'clock on ESPN. West Virginia, one-point favorite. Thank you to 405 Burger Bar for having us out. But I'm going to let Abby Warwick have the final word because she always gets the final word in a conversation. Uh, final score, OU and Baylor, what do you think? You're going to the game. What's the final score? OU 69, Baylor 54. Hey, 15-point win for the boys tonight. That'll do it for us. Appreciate Connor for helping us out back in studio. We'll catch you on Monday right here on The Ref.